The following is a paid program. The views expressed by the following program are those of the sponsor and not necessarily those of 77 WABC and Red Apple Media. This is the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's editor-in-chief, David Wildstein. Hello, everybody. Time moves quickly in New Jersey. It is the state that never sleeps, at least when it comes to politics. We're now 59 days into Joe Biden's presidency. We're 16 days away from a deadline to get on the ballot for the June primary election. We're 80 days away from the primary. We are 227 days until the general election. And I say that because dates and deadlines matter in politics. And whether you, you work on campaigns uh, or, or you're a candidate, uh, there are no extensions on an election day. So you work backwards. Every day a, a candidate isn't all in, they're missing an opportunity. Every day their campaign takes their, their foot off the gas, even for a night or a weekend. That's time they can't recover. And I've seen a lot of close races over the years where candidates live in regret of their missed opportunities. So when I start the show every week with the number of days left to Election Day, I, I do it with a purpose, a reminder that time is not fungible. Joining me today are two New Jersey elected officials who never get a day off, State Senator Joe Lagana of Bergen County and the mayor of Trenton, Reed Gashora. Uh, I'm going to ask Senator Lagana about Governor Murphy's nomination of a new Supreme Court justice, about the state's distribution of COVID, COVID vaccines. Uh, Senator Lagana is one of New Jersey's rising stars. You're not going to want to miss anything he has to say. Coming up at 420 right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And at 435, I'll speak with the mayor of Trenton, New Jersey's capital city, Mayor Reed Gushore, about what it's like to lead a city with tremendous challenges, while at the same time dealing with a city council that on a good day appears just completely and totally dysfunctional. Uh, It's a city council where racist and homophobic slurs are the norm. So don't go away because you're not going to want to miss at all uh, what we talk about uh, with with the mayor. This is David Wildstein. You are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, Now, this story is real inside baseball. In Mercer County, which includes Trenton and Princeton, A 27-year incumbent county commissioner lost the support of the Democratic Party Thursday night in her bid for re-election to a 10th term. Uh, Let me tell you what happened. Uh, One of the three incumbents up this year was retiring, and six candidates, it went down to four, but originally six candidates sought party support for the seat. So... As Democratic leaders from around Mercer County began hearing from these these fresh faces, they started to wonder why the contest was for just the one seat. They questioned why they were being told that the two incumbents running for re-election would automatically receive the Democratic Party's endorsement. And while some progressive leaders been seeking reform. Somebody told me they'd been putting this notion of not being a rubber stamp for incumbents in the drinking water for about a year. This movement grew organically over a very short amount of time. And when a motion was made from the floor at this convention to force the two incumbents to actually win an election, the, the, the world changed as it relates to, to local politics. The reformers said 
that the rules made no mention of automatically protecting incumbents, just that there would be a vote. Uh, I want to read to you what something that Jeff Laurenti said. He's been around Mercer County politics for about 50 years. And he said incumbents have, have many advantages already. They don't need to be protected from accountability. This rule change passed with 66% of the vote. It wasn't even close. The top vote getter was an incumbent, Commissioner Sam Frisbee. He won easily because he's kept his eye on the ball and he's paid attention to his base. But the rules change for for Commissioner Ann Cannon, who was first elected in 1994, and this rule change put her in the fight of her life. She finished fourth on the first ballot. She got into a runoff. She lost that on the third ballot. And, and I was told that Cannon, who, I mean, she flipped the seat 27 years ago from a Republican. She'd expended so much energy governing that she forgot how to be a candidate. And people told me she rarely, they rarely saw her at these kind of community events that you would expect politicians to go to, picnics and barbecues and civic meetings. And, and I don't know Ann Cannon. I've never met her. Uh, she's barely been on my radar screen, and I've been doing this a long time. But, but this is interesting because there was no criticism of her record. There was no scandal. There was nobody out there saying it's time for her to go. But Ann Cannon is a poster child for incumbents who take elections for granted because they're getting just too comfortable in, in, in their incumbency uh, because they no longer feel obligated to go out and meet their constituents. So so I'm sorry. I, I, I apologize up front, but I don't feel sorry for Ann Cannon. This, this loss is on her. Any nine-term incumbent who can't get 50% of the vote at their own party's convention, well, it's Maybe it's time for a new person. It seems that the system, including the ability to change the system, it it appears that it worked. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. For those of you who listen every week, and and if you do, thank you. And and if you don't, no worries. You can can catch up by listening to our podcast that's on on 77WABC uh, website, on the New Jersey Globe website, on Apple and Google Podcasts, or on Spotify. But for those who have been listening, you'll recall that I've been talking about cold cases in Edison and Hoboken uh, regarding racist flyers that appeared during the final days of the 2017 election. Finally, after 40 months and a lot of pressure from community leaders and elected officials, at 3 p.m. on Friday afternoon, the attorney general's office served a document subpoena on the township of Edison. They're seeking the results of of Edison's own internal investigation into this racist flyer. And uh, just as a reminder, in the final days of that campaign, some some editor Edison voters received a mailing promising to make Edison great again and alleging that, and this is, this is the quote, it's, it's horrific, Chinese and Indians are taking over our town. So now we know for the first time that a grand jury has been impaneled. And so finally, finally, there seems to be some movement by the attorney general's office to find out who was behind these flyers. Uh, One Edison councilman named A.J. Patil has fingered Mahesh Bajia, the Edison Democratic Party chairman, as the mastermind behind these flyers. And and A.J. Patil has accused another man. His name is Satish Pundi. He's he's 
well-known in Democratic circles. He's a partner at the Woolens Law Firm. Uh, that was once a legendary white shoe firm in New Jersey, hugely powerful in politics. And remember, this is just an allegation. There's a, absolutely a presumption of innocence, and that's important for all of us to remember. But the timing here is critical because Mahesh Bajia is running for mayor of Edison. That is the fifth largest town in New Jersey. And how the attorney general proceeds will have a huge impact on what are already hotly contested primary and general elections. And, and, and here's something else that's happened. Last night, late last night, officials in Hoboken, where a remarkably similar incident involving a racist fire occurred in the same week in 2017. Uh, I don't know if that was a coincidence or not. That's up for law enforcement to determine. But late last night, Hoboken elected officials, starting with five city council members and then the mayor, called on the attorney general to add Hoboken to the Edison grand jury probe. And the, the, the hey, what about Hoboken call brings the issue of that flyer back to the forefront uh, in an election year. The, the attorney general, as, as is their policy, declined to comment on on what's happening there. This is this is David Wildstein. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Many of you remember Jefferson Van Drew. He is the South Jersey congressman who won election as a Democrat, but switched to the Republican Party at the end of his first year in Congress after developing a a bromance with President Donald Trump. And you are not going to believe this profile of courage story I'm about to tell you. Congress passed the Equal Rights Amendment in 1972, but, but just 35 states voted to ratify the constitutional amendment. So it came up three votes short. Since the deadline passed, three more states have stepped up and they have voted to ratify. So now Congress, uh, at the after, after a, a federal judge ruled this week, now Congress needs to remove this deadline. And when Jeff Van Drew went to Congress in 2019, he co-sponsored a resolution to reopen the ratification period for the ERA. Uh, By the time the House voted on it in 2020, Van Drew was a Republican, but he remained a co-sponsor, and he was one of five Republican congressmen to cross the aisle and join with the Democratic majority and vote yes. Nothing happened. The U.S. Senate never considered the resolution. But get this. This week, the House voted again, and Van Drew, who co-sponsored the ERA extension last year and voted for it last year, well, this time he voted against it. Now, I'm not taking sides. I'm not saying the vote should have been yes or no. But here's the part I just don't get. Van Drew was an adult when the ERA was first passed in 1972. He's 68 years old now. And this isn't an issue where the facts have changed much over the last 50 years. There's not a lot of new information. So what what happened between last year and this year to change Van Drew's mind? What sparked this sudden reversal on an issue that he's had 50 years to ponder? I I don't know. One Democrat in his district, Karen Fitzpatrick, she's in Atlanta County commissioner. She said she grew up with an ERA patch on her jeans. I guess sometimes people evolve. I get it. That's okay. But 
it is completely and totally fair to wonder if Jefferson Van Drew has evolved or whether this congressman has just never had any core beliefs in the first place. And, and, and so this silly, putty congressman who, who voted against a measure that he's sponsored just one years, year ago, I, mean, I would imagine the least he can do to is explain his vote. Uh, I'm betting that he doesn't. Uh, I will be back to, after the break to speak with Joe Lagana, state senator from Bergen County, rising star in New Jersey politics, to talk about vaccines and the Supreme Court and other important issues. So please don't miss it. And at 435, I'll be back to speak with Trenton Mayor Reed Gashora, who runs a city despite a city council that's made racist and homophobic statements. And believe me, you're not going to want to miss what the, radio, the mayor has to say. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. When it comes to autism, finding the right words can be tough. Finding community in these challenging times doesn't have to be. Join us, even virtually, to move together towards a kinder world for the millions of people on the autism spectrum. Find out how at autismspeaks.org slash together. I always value books and films and good TV, but now during a pandemic, I appreciate them. I need them more than ever. That's why I read Book and Film Globe. Bookandfilmglobe.com is the smartest, sharpest commentary about what's good and what's um, not good in the worlds of books, movies, and quality TV. This isn't celebrity gossip, and it's not for woke 22-year-olds. It's just smart, clear writing about the best new things to watch and read. Interviews with directors, concise reviews of hot new books, actors describing classic scenes, it's all on bookandfilmglobe.com. And there are three Rotten Tomatoes certified reviewers, so you know you're getting good advice. Check out Book and Film Globe. That's bookandfilmglobe.com. The New Jersey Globe Power Hour is on. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe. And Joe Lagana has represented Bergen County in the New Jersey State Senate since 2018. Before that, he was an assemblyman. He was a Paramus councilman. More than a few people tell me he could be governor of New Jersey someday. Senator Lagana, welcome. Hey, David. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for joining me. And I'd like to ask you first about Governor Murphy's nomination of Rachel Weiner Apter to serve as an associate justice of the New Jersey Supreme Court. Senator, you're on record saying you'll vote to confirm her. I I know you spoke with her at length this week. What did she say to sway you? Well, I mean, first of all, I just want to say what an impressive uh, resume she had. Uh, I did not know much about her before I was able to have a conversation with her. Uh, So I did read up uh, about her, about her background, uh, especially her education and her legal background and uh, obviously it's it's extremely impressive i mean for someone who's uh, 40 years old who has had multiple federal clerkships who of course clerked for uh, justice uh, ginsburg who uh, worked on uh, civil rights issue who's you know worked in both private and public had extensive extensive appellate uh, experience which obviously is what 
it's kind of it's the kind of experience you need as a uh, as a as a Supreme Court associate justice for justice. Um, you know, she was really uh, just completely well rounded as a as a person, as a lawyer. Um, you know, she just she just, she impressed me uh, every which way. So she's going to make an outstanding uh, an, an outstanding uh, judge. And some people say at forty she's she's a little too young to be on the Supreme Court. That would give her nearly thirty years. But uh, that, that some people are saying she doesn't have the the death death of experience that 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 other justices have. Now you you are just two years older than her. You're a, you're a lawyer. Do you mm-hmm. do you think she's too young? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think she's too young. Uh, you know, m- most of us who go to law school start practicing law at the age of twenty four. Uh, so by the time we hit by the time we hit 40, where you know we, we do have a, 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 you know, a substantial amount of experience uh, under our belt. And you know, given her background and the things that she's already accomplished before 40, and, and, you know, and I just have to say, there are very, very, very few people, uh, attorneys in this country, who are able to clerk for a Supreme Court justice. Uh, and especially in her case, multiple, uh, multiple uh, uh, courts of appeals, district courts. So you know, her, her, uh, her education, and her background and experience, I'll put that up against, you know, any attorney who's practiced law for 40 years. And I'm speaking with Senator Joe Lagana of Bergen County. Senator, let's talk about COVID. I mean, I know this is a topic that's dominated the last year of every elected official's life, everybody's life. How is Bergen County doing on the vaccination rollout? So obviously, you know, Bergen County was hit very hard, very early. It was really the epicenter of the of the uh, of, of the COVID um, uh, experience for us uh, in, in this country, I believe. I mean, New York I, I was was hit, I was crushed, and Bergen County is uh, almost a uh, you know sometimes it's it's almost like a borough of of, of New York. So we 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 were bigger than like four four or five states, I think, too. Bigger than four or five states, yeah, million people. Uh, it, it is uh, it, it is like a state, you know, unto itself. And Jim Tedesco, who's our county executive, is uh, you know we call, we often call him the governor of, uh, of Bergen County, and that's it's kind of what he is. And when you look at the budget, when you look at the amount of people, uh, the amount of people that go in and out uh, of, of, of Bergen County each and every day, uh, you know, we were hit hard. And I think that there were steps that were taken in the beginning that helped stop the uh you know the, the the spread like the uh the mask wearing and uh the uh the shutdowns which i believe helped and i and i think that when when history looks back at what worked and what didn't work those were the most common sense uh things that we could put, put in place to uh to help people uh so you know we got hit hard and it, it went down uh, of course during the summertime and then we saw a spike uh, in the recent months, and, and now it looks like you know we're cautiously optimistic that things are getting better, and, and a lot of it is thanks to the uh, to the vaccine, which uh, I, in my opinion, I think Bergen County uh, has done it the best. It's the gold standard uh, in, uh, in in vaccine distribution. Again, based upon the amount of of, uh, of actual vaccines that they have to administer. But I've been to the uh, I've been to Newbridge. Uh, I've been uh, to the uh, 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 the uh, the hospital where it's uh, being administered. Uh, I know there are a lot of towns that are ready uh, to start administering themselves when they can get uh, the vaccine. Just today, I went to uh, I went to Bergen Tech, uh, which is of course a trip in Newbridge, and they were doing just teachers today. And uh, all Bergen County teachers, I think they've got like through 600 teachers today. So I went and visited. It was a an amazing operation. They were started in the morning. They got done by one o'clock, uh, and it's just. Things were are, are, are rolling 
more smoother than they were. Uh, but I think a lot of it has to do with the amount of uh, the amount of vaccines that they have available to them. And Senator Lugano, you're you're from Paramus. It's uh, it, was, yep. it is the home of a state-run uh, uh, facility that houses veterans, U.S. former, former, mm-hmm. former U.S. veterans. Uh, tragically, there were 90-plus COVID-related deaths this year. I know you were at the top of the list of the officials who, who fiercely criticized how that veterans' home was run. Are, are you satisfied with yeah. the reforms that have been made there so far? I think it's uh, I think it's a work in progress. Uh, I, I give the administration um, I, I give them um, you know kudos to a certain extent with respect to uh, getting new people in as far as leadership is concerned because I think the leadership that was there uh, I believe that they failed and that um, it, it, understanding uh, along the way that this was something that hit hard and it hit fast and it, uh, often. Oftentimes, before you even know what's going on, uh, this thing completely engulfs these facilities. So I get that. With that in mind, though, uh, I do think that there could have been other steps taken to stop uh, what what spread through the facilities at such a quick rate. Uh, so you know, I I I, I am uh, I feel a lot better now than I did a year ago, uh, and, and that's because uh, there's a lot more transparency. There's a lot more. Um, a lot more communication uh, between uh, the MAVA and uh, legislators. I know Senator uh, Vitali, Senator Biden, and Senator Gopal uh, and me have had, uh, I mean, probably more, well over a dozen conversations with, with the MAVA, uh, with, uh, with the governor's office, uh, with, the, uh, with the new leaders of the facilities. Uh, and they've been doing a good job at keeping us uh, appraised. Uh, I mean, right down to... We get daily updates if there are any positive tests, who's testing positive, how did they test positive, what are they doing to, uh, uh, to protect the, um, the residents. So, you know, they're, they're, they're doing a good job, and I think that they, uh, I think they got their feet underneath them at this point. Good, and I'm, I'm sure everybody, no matter what political party you're with, are, are rooting for, the, for, for that to succeed. And I'm, I'm speaking with Senator Joseph Lagana of Bergen County. Uh, Senator, the Republican candidate for governor, Jack Cittarelli, has a new TV mm-hmm. ad up. He's blaming Governor Murphy for about 8,000 nursing home and veterans home deaths. Mm-hmm. Is, is that a fair criticism to, to blame the governor for those deaths? Um, I, I, I don't believe so. I mean, you know, I, I know Jack, I served with him in the assembly. Uh, he's a, uh, you know, he's a, he's a good guy. He was a good legislator. Uh, and, uh, and you know, it, it, this is, uh, the political season. So of course, you know, there's a, there's going to be some, uh, blame that gets uh, shed onto the governor, you know, blaming him for blaming him personally for, for deaths in nursing homes is, is uh, not something that I would uh, say is accurate. Uh, I think that, um, you know, when, when, when things got to the point where uh, it became a serious, um, a serious issue, uh, and that was very, very early on, you know, New Jersey took steps before many other states did, you know, and, were, and was criticized immensely, uh, especially by our former president. Uh, I think that, you know, l- l- let me put it this way. Let's say, let's say that our governor listened to the, you know, to the federal government early on. How many more deaths would we have? Would we have had at that point? I mean, I think the governor took the appropriate steps in the beginning uh, by by shutting things down, uh, by you know ordering uh, ordering masks to be worn, uh, asking for help from the federal government, 
and, and putting the appropriate steps in place when it came to whether it was in nursing homes or schools or, or just, just uh, you know, life in general for all of us as residents, uh, I think, again, history will judge his actions as being the appropriate actions. Was everything perfect? Of course it wasn't perfect. But to say that he was responsible for, for certain things, I think, is, uh, is unfair. And Senator, and, and I apologize, I, re- I revealed your age earlier, uh, uh, but I know you have young children in school. What are you hearing from your constituents about the reopening of public schools? So, yeah, I, I uh, you know, I have three daughters. I have a sixth grader, a fourth grader and a three year old who's you know going to be in preschool next year. Uh, and my kids were remote for a, a long time, last spring into the summer uh, and school ended, of course. And. September started with a uh, with a uh, remote, and then it was a hybrid, two days a week, half days. They just started uh, uh, two weeks ago, four days a week, half days, and Monday they're starting five days a week, half days. It, it's just a godsend. Uh, and you know, I my my oldest daughter is going to be thirteen, and uh, you know, for anybody who has preteen kids or teen kids, it's, you know, they're, they're they already have you know, there's already emotions that are that are at play. So you know, take them away from socializing, from interactions with with other students. Uh, it, it was it was a difficult year, uh, not you know for myself and for anybody anybody who's uh, you know who's experienced this, but especially you know for for younger younger children, uh, high school kids uh, who you know they I think sometimes we forget that they're that they're people with emotions, and this is t- hard for us. This was harder for them, uh, and I I see how they now have uh, you know they're they're kind of they're, they they light up in the morning when they go to school. And when I speak to other parents, you know, people are just very relieved that um, that protocols have been put in place. Uh, that is safety first, of course, because we have to keep them safe. We have to keep our educators safe. Uh, but at the same time, uh, with things appear to be getting better, we can now get kids in a classroom for in-classroom uh, instruction. Because I, I do believe that they are they we have a generation of kids that are are at a kind of at a disadvantage right now, and there's going to be a lot of catching up to do. So overall, I think there was a lot of frustration when it came to reopening. But I think that uh, I would anticipate that in the middle of April, life will start uh, getting back to somewhat uh, a, a normal setting when it comes to uh, when it comes to schooling. And hopefully by the uh, you know, by the time they finish school in June, things seem like uh, like it's uh, as usual for them. That'd be great. That'd be great if that happens. And Senator Joe Lagana, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you talking to me. Of course. And thank I will you, be back thank to. You so- thank you. And, and, and I, I hope you'll you'll come back and join me again soon. Uh, I, I'll be back to speak with Mayor Reed Gushiora, who has one of the toughest jobs in New Jersey, is the mayor of Trenton. So please don't go away. You're going to want to hear what the mayor has to say. This is David Wildstein. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. When it comes to autism, finding the right words can be tough. Finding community in these challenging times doesn't have to be. Join us, even virtually, to move together towards a kinder world for the millions of people on the autism spectrum. Find out how at autismspeaks.org slash together. school, classic, punk, indie, 80s, 90s, whatever. If it's got passion and a backbeat, I want to hear it. And I want to know more about the artists who create it. 
That's why I read Rock and Roll Globe. Rockandrollglobe.com features the sharpest takes about what's good and what's um, not so good in music. They call it real writing about real music. It's not for woke 22-year-olds. It's just crisp, surprising insight into music of all kinds, interviews with performers, concise reviews of hot new records, a look back at that great album that changed everything. It's all on rockandrollglobe.com. Check out Rock and Roll Globe. That's rockandrollglobe.com. I could hardly It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Welcome back, everybody. Rika Shora gave up a relatively safe Democratic seat in the New Jersey State Assembly in 2018 to take on an extraordinarily tough job as the mayor of Trenton, New Jersey. Mayor, thanks for coming on. Uh, glad to be here, Dave. Thanks for inviting me. It's, it's my pleasure. And, and I've, I've watched the drama of local politics in the city of Trenton intensely over the last few years, probably probably more so since you became mayor. It seems to me that your your city council hugely dysfunctional. And I, I read about their meetings. I, I listen to them on the online there. There seems like a bunch of angry men and women who, you know, I'll just say it. They seem like a bunch of racists and bigots and homophobes. What is going on there? Well, it is really difficult to get things passed, and and the real shame is trying to get water bonds so that we can replace lead service lines or economic development projects, uh, which they voted down. Um, And uh, that's the distressing part. Um, uh, But, yeah, it's a lot of theater, and uh, we we do get a lot of attendance at our council meetings because people want to see what happens next. And one councilwoman, Robin Vaughn, I mean, she's gone on profanity laced tirades against you. She's she said things I cannot say on the radio, uh, really horrible things. And and some of the state's most powerful officials, I mean, Governor Murphy and Senators Menendez and Booker and loads of others. They've they've condemned what she said. Why does she keep going? It is unfortunate, and uh, I'll leave that to others to um, get into her mental prowess. But um, it is distressing uh, uh, to deal with somebody who just bangs on the keys and says no. Um, I think we can do better. And um, she was uh, she was elected. This was her first term. She was elected because uh, people did not like the incumbent, and so they were voting against the incumbent rather than voting for uh, Robin Vaughn, unfortunately. And I mean, city council members speak of people, you know, I mean, you know, I've, I've covered this intensely, you know, uh, speaking of people who are chewing them down to get a better price. I mean, one councilman said, and I'm going to read it exactly. He said, he said, you know, it's like a car dealer. They want $5,000. So you chew them down to 4,000. It's, it's nothing vicious. It's just an expression. Uh, I mean, can the can the city I mean, you've got real problems in the city. Can can the city govern with a city council that is is just out there the way they are? Well, sometimes we have to figure out how to go around them, because um, comments like that dissuade investors to come uh, in our city. In fact, we had a uh, contract uh, uh, attorney who um, Tendered his resignation, so to, so to speak, and said he didn't want to deal with us anymore. So it, it does make it difficult, but yet 
there's so many incentive programs out there, whether it's uh, the, uh, the federal stimulus to um, uh, opportunity zones, uh, which attract developers. We just need to get past this council and try to get all on the same page for Trenton's future. So three years ago or so, you were I mean, you were you were sitting in the legislature and, 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 and you'd been there for a while and and, and yeah. things seemed to be fairly, you know, fairly, fairly comfortable. Any regrets running for mayor? Well, I don't think so. I think it's a it's a challenging job. If we get the right counsel next year, uh, things could be a lot better. Um, but it was an opportunity where our mayor, who I supported, uh, decided two months before the election to drop out, and so I decided to step in, and uh, here I am. But I, I, there are still a lot of positive things that happen. Um, we've done an amazing job on coronavirus. We're where we have some uh, development projects in the works. And we even had a CBS show, um, Ways and Means, come to film a pilot at City Hall um, with Patrick Dempsey. So there are some positive things happening. We just, uh, we need to capitalize on that. The other, we want to work with the federal government to realign Route 29 uh, that is along the waterfront. And uh, back in the 60s, the planners thought, build a highway along the waterfront. Well, we want to recapture ours uh, to bring more economic development. So there's a lot of potential. We just we just need to have the right council uh, to move us forward. And, and I'm, I'm speaking with Mayor Reed Gashore of Trenton, New Jersey. Crime's a huge problem in your city. I mean, you know, way too many shootings and and murders. What's what's going on there with that? Well, we were making big inroads the first two years that I was in office. We had 15 and 16 homicides, respectively. And then last year, we had 40. And a lot of it is attributed to COVID, um, where kids are at home rather than in school. Uh, a lot of people are out of work. And then you have neighborhood uh, turf wars. Um, but we are working with the state police. We've made a lot of inroads, breaking up some of the gangs, and uh, we're going to continue to make improvements. I just hope that with the end of COVID, uh, things will, will improve, uh, even on public safety, because that's another impediment uh, to real economic development. And how are how are things going in terms of distribution of, of the vaccine? I, I, I have uh, Joe DiVincenzo, the Essex County executive, the, the master of organization and distribution in New Jersey, was saying there, there are challenges in communities of color in in getting people to come have the to be vaccinated. What, what are you what are you seeing in Trenton? Well, absolutely. But we we actually hit the ground running where we um, uh, walked door to door. We went into the senior towers and uh, we uh, uh, 40 percent of our vaccines that we've given out are people of color. So I think we've even beat the state average. Um, We could always do better. um, And uh, we're working with FEMA and the governor's office to distribute uh, 5000 vaccines in the next couple of weeks and primarily uh, uh, persons of color. And that's by working with the pastors, um, working with uh, local neighborhood groups, and getting people um, to really talk about uh, the benefits of getting the vaccine. And 
Congress has now approved the stimulus package. Money is starting to come in into New Jersey. Uh, uh, what is what is this federal? What does the federal aid mean to a city like Trenton? Well, in a budget of two hundred million, our federal stimulus package is seventy three million. So it is a sizable chunk, and we need to make sure that we get it right. And that does mean the cooperation of council, but we also formed an advisory committee made up of a lot of business people and uh, economists that will help us uh, guide to appropriately spend that money. Um, And that's one of the things that I'm determined to do is that we really reinvest into um, the city's future and and we need to get it right. And Trenton is, it's one of the, few areas of the state where there's there's still it's a vibrant local media you have the trentonian and i know you've i know you've had your you know your your ups and downs with them as a newspaper uh but how important is it as a as a mayor as a i mean you've been you've been in new jersey politics for for a while and i mean you started as a congressional aide so you've you've been watching this for years how important is it for a vibrant local media that really gets into the weeds on issues and follows what's going on it is really important, and we, we rely a lot on uh, social media. And I, I take interviews uh, like this or with the Trentonian, even though the Trentonian sometimes has a negative spin. Uh, but there's so much positive stuff that's coming in Trenton uh, that it's really important that we get that message out and the story out. Uh, and so we utilize uh, uh, social media a lot and uh, seem to get support through there. And Governor Murphy seeking re-election to a second term, and 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 I seem to ask this question constantly. Which, and, and I know you're a you're a political junkie also, but but New Jersey is one of the most democratic states in the country. Yet, yet a democratic governor hasn't gotten re-elected since 1977, and since then three Republicans have been elected and re-elected. Why, why is it that New Jersey seems to prefer a Republican governor? Because uh, we're the ultimate swing state, and um, uh, you know the, the state went for Ronald Reagan uh, two times, and um, uh, so Republicans have won in the state. Uh, so it, it really balances. But other than that, is there's the Camden corridor, the Essex County, and um, and the Republicans tend to be clinging around to the shore in the Northwest. So. It really is a swing state, um, but I think Governor Murphy has delivered a solid pro- product for the last four years, and um, so I think he'll be able to he'll he'll surprise um, conventional wisdom, uh, and I think he's going to get reelected. And it seems in I mean you're you're from Mercer County, you represented a big part of the county in the legislature, and it it seems like. Seems like there's a vibrant two-party system in Mercer County these days. It's just Republicans are not one of those two parties. I don't think there's a single Republican in the county elected in a partisan election. Uh, how 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 do you how do you cope with the the the, the competition within the party, the, the two different factions within the Democratic Party? There there seems to be, and and that uh, this last uh, convention bore uh, that out. Uh, but it wasn't too long ago where we had a Republican county executive and we had seven uh, Republican freeholders and a, a, a county clerk who was a Republican who 
played a prominent role in Rush Holt's uh, re-election. Um, but the Democrats, uh, we're a vibrant party, and you're always going to have some uh, internal squabbles. But at the end of the day, I think uh, as long as we go in the same direction, um, I've enjoyed a great relationship with our county executive uh, helping out the capital city. And uh, that's just relationships are really important. Um, and I think that, that at the end of the day, I, I was good friends with Jack Chiarelli uh, in the legislature. And um, so one of the things that I do do is still reach out to my old colleagues for help and support. Uh, Gary Shear played a big uh, help in uh, this last turmoil with uh, with uh, council calling names and has really been a friend. And and you know because we're getting to the end of the segment, but I I, I want to ask you, and I don't want to I don't I don't want to skip this question. Are you, are you intending to run again for re-election next year? Absolutely, I'm I'm untrainable, so. <laughs> but uh, I I at the end of the day, I really enjoy the job, and I think that given the right counsel, uh, we could do amazing things for the capital city. Well, Mayor Reed Gushore of Trenton, thank you for joining me, and and uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much, David. And Thanks. have a great one. Thank you. And and we're just now two weeks away from the filing deadline. So I'll be back to talk more about what's going to be happening, what, to, what the landscape's going to look like in New Jersey for the June primary. This is David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I always value books and films and good TV. But now during a pandemic... I appreciate them. I need them more than ever. That's why I read Book and Film Globe. Bookandfilmglobe.com is the smartest, sharpest commentary about what's good and what's um, not good in the worlds of books, movies, and quality TV. This isn't celebrity gossip, and it's not for woke 22-year-olds. It's just smart, clear writing about the best new things to watch and read. Interviews with directors, concise reviews of hot new books, actors describing classic scenes, it's all on bookandfilmglobe.com. And there are three Rotten Tomatoes certified reviewers, so you know you're getting good advice. Check out Book and Film Globe. That's bookandfilmglobe.com. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe. And in just two weeks, two weeks from Monday, the filing deadline comes to run in the June Democratic and Republican primaries. And there is a lot of drama. There's always a lot of drama in New Jersey. Uh, Last week in Monmouth County, Republican Party leaders dumped a two-term assemblywoman from their ticket. It means they're denying party support to Serena DeMasso to run for re-election. She's now going to run uh, anyway, and, and she's being replaced by Vicki Flynn, a Homedale school board member. The vote wasn't even close, so now DeMasso's taking it to the voters. And in Bergen County, Holly Shapizzi had won a special election for the state Senate by eight votes 
in a race to replace an 86-year-old 12-term incumbent who died in office last month. She'll be sworn in next week. Uh, Her opponent in that special election, Bob Roth, has decided not to challenge her in the Republican primary. He is going to seek re-election to his state assembly seat. So now what's going to be up on the uh, agenda is a special election to replace Holly Shapizzi in the state assembly. That, that's going to be great to watch. And in, in Bergen County, Gordon Johnson, Valerie Huddle, two assembly members, they are facing off for the seat of retiring Senate Majority Leader Loretta Weinberg. I mean, this this race is, uh, I mean, this is this is high drama, too. There's uh, two assembly candidates were in. They faced some issues. They're both out. There's now two more assembly candidates that are running on the organization slate. Valerie Huddle has her two running mates. Uh, I mean, Bergen, it's, it's just, it's a mess right now. It is, it is far from over. This is, you know, the, uh, Governor Phil Murphy endorsed Gordon Johnson for the Senate last week. Politico uh, had a, had an explosive story about about you know what is what is uh, some allegations of of saying the wrong things to a woman by by Mr. Johnson. Um, this race is is by far going to be the best in the state, and 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 everybody's going to be riveted to it. And and I want to talk about something in Hudson County also. Uh, and 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 I've discussed it before in the in the 31st district. This is part of Jersey City and all of the city of Bayonne. There's there's a longstanding deal there where the the mayor of Bayonne gets to pick who represents them in the state assembly, not the voters, not the party, but the mayor. Mayor, I mean, it, it, for, for all intents and purposes, the mayor gets to make an appointment to the state assembly. And that's their deal. And I understand that. I, 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 I look through the state constitution. I didn't find the part about how the mayor of Bayonne gets to pick one of the 80 members, but they seem to think that's the way it's running. But it's getting a little complicated. They're, they're trying, the mayor wants to oust the incumbent. His name is Nicholas Charvelotti. Uh, he's the majority whip of the New Jersey State Assembly. And, and he's, he, could, he could be gone just because Jimmy Davis, the mayor of Bayonne, wants him gone. And what's news right now is the guy that they picked to replace him. His name is William B. Sampson. He is a 32-year-old crane operator, a, a member, an active member of the Longshoremen's Union. And the New Jersey Globe reported this week that he didn't register to vote until 2012. He was 24. He's missed four of the last nine general elections. And and this part, I mean, it's it's astonishing, even for a even for a party machine as well oiled as it is in Hudson County, that they they miss this. Uh, Will, William Sampson has never voted in a primary. He's he's never cast a vote for a Democrat in a primary, and now he's going to the Democratic Party and, and saying thank you for handing me this assembly seat. And and. And I spoke to Mr. Sampson, and he gave he gave an explanation. Uh, you know, he he. I told him what his voting record is. That's a public document. You could see if somebody votes. You can't tell how somebody votes, obviously, but you can see if they came to vote or if they missed the election. And and he he said he. Uh, he, he said, I don't know if what you actually wrote was true, but if it is true and I missed those votes, it's because I wasn't as politically active as as I am today. Uh, and and I asked him, 
specifically about the fact that he has missed three of the last four elections for the office he's running for. And and I asked him in 2017, which was the only one he voted in, did you vote for Nicholas Chevrolati? And he said, I don't recall. And I said, well, what about Senator Sandra Cunningham? And he says, don't recall. And what about Assemblywoman uh, Angela McKnight? Don't recall. What about what about Governor Murphy? And he said, yes, absolutely. He supported Governor Murphy. He says I, he campaigned for him. Uh, didn't remember if he voted for Bob Menendez for U.S. Senate in 2018 uh, or not. I, I, I can't recall. Uh, and this is this is going to be an issue. I don't know what Nicholas Chevrolati is going to do uh, in terms of the filing deadline. I don't know if he's going to abide by the wishes of the Democratic organization uh, and not run again, or whether he's going to try and run off the line against the organization in a primary. That is a that is a really, really tough thing to do. And and for you know those of you who are political junkies like me who, who remember the old Saturday Night Live, uh, I think Assemblyman Chevrolati is like John Lovitz playing Michael Dukakis looking and saying, I can't believe I'm losing to this guy. But I, I think he's I think he's losing to this guy right now. And I'm not I'm not really sure what's going to happen. But this is New Jersey. This is a place where where really anything can happen. And uh, and, 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 and as 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 the ultimate New Jersey and Yogi Berra said, it ain't over to it's over. So we'll have to see where this goes. And, and in, in Mr. Sampson's defense, he he did say, look, I'm I'm late to the game. Like a lot of young people, I, I I registered to vote late, but now I'm politically involved and maybe I can help other people to be involved. Uh, so thank you for joining me today. Uh, always, always a pleasure to to talk to people like Joe Lagana, Reed Gashora. This is David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe. Thank you, Kevin Sanders. And you've been listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Mm-hmm.